Amen. Thank you, Brother George. If you have your Bibles this morning, I invite you to turn to uh, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1. And uh, appreciate that good singing and pray for uh, Miss Evelyn. She's homesick uh, this this morning. And um, that uh, one of our uh, friends in Georgia made several CDs. Uh, she was the piano player at Calvary, and she had made several CDs uh, for us, you know, when she'd be gone or something. And so uh, she made us copies and sent them to us, and we're uh, glad to have Martha with us this morning. Um, wonderful song, Thy Loving Kindness. How many of you, that was your first time you've sung that song? Have we sung? I thought for sure we'd sung it before. And so I think most of you knew it, but new to a few of you. And uh, thankful for God's love um, and how he sustains us. And that's really uh, the only way that we can get through life is with God. And that's what we talk about this morning. I've titled this morning's message, Tempted to Victory. And we find, um, as Mark begins his gospel, kind of an unusual episode, and something you wouldn't expect, because probably you've thought, you know, when things go wrong in your life, how many of you ever said, why me, Lord? What have I done? <laughs> why do you keep... Uh, Pouring out these tests on me. Go, go test somebody else. Uh, and uh, we're hope- But sometimes the trials and the struggles that we face in life sometimes are just life uh, because we live in a sinful, fallen world. Uh, sometimes it is because we're not living for God the way we should and God's trying to get our attention. And sometimes it's because we are doing what God wants us to do. Uh, and the world doesn't like that because this world doesn't like God. It's, this world, world is ruled by Satan. And uh, this lo- world loves darkness, it loves evil, and we're seeing that more and more every day uh, as we uh, watch the news and as we live life, we're seeing it happen more and more. Uh, and so we know that uh, you know, we live in this fallen world. Uh, and so I want to call our attention uh, to verse 9, uh, is where we're going to start this morning, of um, you know, chapter 1. This is what it says. It came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And immediately coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. And then a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Immediately the Spirit drove him into the wilderness, and he was there in the wilderness forty days, tempted by Satan. And there was with the wild beasts, and the angels ministered uh, to him. And we oftentimes think that, hey, listen, if we're doing what God has asked us to do, things are going to be easy, and things are going to go our way. Well, the reality is, that's not the way life is. Uh, and we see that here by the example of Jesus. That Jesus, and that's why we, we read the, the verses about his baptism a couple weeks ago uh, when we started looking at the gospel. And I want us to relook at it, put it back into our minds. Uh, so John the Baptist, who was Jesus' cousin, was out in the wilderness baptizing. 
preaching a message of repentance and people were turning away from sin and baptism was a sign of them making a recommitment to the Lord. And and so here comes Jesus. Uh, And if you read the account in Matthew's gospel, you see that John the Baptist said, what do you think you're doing, uh, Jesus? Uh, I'm not going to baptize you. You're the one that needs to baptize me. Uh, And Jesus said, no, uh, you're going to baptize me. And so John does. And when Jesus comes out of the water, the heavens are open. They see it like a dove, the Spirit of God, come flowing down. And they hear a voice, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Now, these uh, verses in the baptism and the coming of the... The sun remind us of a couple Old Testament passages. One of them is Psalm 2. Um, The other one's a a quotation from Isaiah. Um, And we remember that in our Sunday school class this this morning, we were talking about uh, John the Baptist. Uh, And in chapter 11, uh, Jesus says, John is the one that the Scripture is talking about. He said, there's going to come a way that's going to prepare the way uh, for the Lord. Uh, and so we know that, that Jesus was doing what he was supposed to. How could he not? He was God. And we know that God was pleased with him. And so what does Mark tell us? He said immediately, and with, with Mark, he, he likes to use this word immediately. He, he's a fast-paced gospel. Uh, and so... He's wanting to say, the, the next thing I want you to notice is that the Spirit sent Jesus out in the wilderness. And he just mentions just two verses. And that's all he says about Jesus' 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness. And we can get more background. Mark chapter 4 and Luke chapter 4 uh, tell much more about uh, Jesus' temptation. But so God had just said, the Father just said, this is my son and I'm very pleased with him. And then in the next breath, Mark says, the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness. And Satan shows up there and tempts him. And so we need to understand something that just because you face trials and temptations in life, that does not mean that you're not where God wants you to be. And it doesn't mean that God has left you. It may mean that God is strengthening your faith or teaching you something so that you can help somebody else down the road. The writer of Hebrews tells us this, that he says, listen, understand this. We don't have a high priest that can't identify with us. He says, rather, Jesus was tempted in every way that we are, yet was found without sin. In other words, Jesus faced the temptations that there was wrong for him to do even in the first century. Uh, Now we don't have to really work to find stuff to do wrong. It it finds us. And yet, Jesus was faced with all these different kinds of temptations and yet did not give in. He conquered them. He overcame them. And because he overcame them and because he was sinless, he was able to go to the cross 
and shed his innocent pure blood to pay my sin debt and your sin debt and the sin debt of all the whosoever's in the world. As Paul declares in Romans, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, the reason Jesus is Lord and why that name is so powerful is because Jesus did overcome temptation. And he did find victory, even though ultimately we know the end of the story, hopefully. If you don't, I'm going to ruin it for you. But act surprised when we get there. Uh, At the end of the story, Jesus, one of his friends, is going to betray him and sell him to the authorities. And ultimately, Jesus is going to be tried and, and crucified. And soldiers are going to nail nails to, through his hands and through his feet. And he from that cross is going to pray this prayer. He's going to say, Father, forgive them. For they don't know what they're doing. And then he's going to give up the ghost after he said, it is finished. But you see, that's not the end of the story. Because though that chapter was finished, it wasn't the end of the book. Because Friday when it happened, Satan said, hey, I've defeated him, that's that. And yet God said, wait, there's another chapter coming. Because Sunday morning was coming. And Jesus didn't stay dead. He came back to life. He rose again on the third day. And you know, still today the scriptures say reigns at the right hand of the Father of God. And so though... He faced temptation, and he faced difficulty. Him surviving those things and enduring those things ultimately led to victory. Well, there is a little bit of a problem in in us making application to that because none of us are Jesus, and none of us are perfect, and none of us can always avoid temptation. In fact, we are pretty good at giving into it and falling into it. Well, falling into it's not really the right phrase, is it? Most of the time we don't fall in it. You fall by accident. Most of us jump into it. We see it there and we say, hey, let's go! We dive into it. We don't fall into it. But God says, listen, there is another way that you don't have to give in to temptation, that you can overcome it. Jesus said in the Gospel of John in chapter 8, he said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And if we've been set free by the truth, it doesn't mean that we never deal with temptation because even Jesus dealt with temptation. It means that we don't have to be held in bondage to it anymore. I think Mark wants us to understand three important things um, in how we, because we're not Jesus, And we can in our own strength. But how can we as God's people take our temptations and turn them into victory? How do we get victory over the things that want to knock us down in life? And I want to share three things with you this morning. The first is this, that we must be led by the Holy Spirit. If you're going to see God work in your life and you're going to see victory that only Jesus can bring, guess what? You've got to be led by the Holy Spirit. You cannot be led by the things of this world and expect God to be blessing your life and expect the 
things to turn out the way God says that they're going to if you're not living for Him. God does say in His Word, I will bless you. But there are some requirements for that blessing, isn't there? He said, if you follow me, if you obey my commandments, you'll be blessed. If I were to say that those that obey the commandments and those that uh, you know, hear God have a long, prosperous life. Well, it doesn't mean that we're rich or that we're going to live to be 120, but it does, what that means is that when we're walking with God and we're being led by God, that our life is blessed and we have all that we need uh, and that God is with us and we find that He never leaves us and never forsakes us. So Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit took Him out into this wilderness. Now, in our American way of thinking, we don't like difficulties and we don't like conflict. And so He said, listen, if, if the Holy Spirit's going to lead Jesus in the right way, lead Him away from the temptation, lead him away from trouble, and yet the Spirit led Jesus straight to where Satan would come. Sometimes we need to remember that the Holy Spirit will lead us. But here's the thing we have to follow. The Holy Spirit may be telling us, and if listen, we're faced with this temptation... The Holy Spirit, if God is living inside your life, if you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, and the Holy Spirit is saying, knucklehead, you don't go that way. You get over here away from that mess. And the closer you get, the louder the Holy Spirit speaks, but you know what? The Holy Spirit's finally going to say, all right, you want to go, you go. I told you not to do it, dum-dum. So the Holy Spirit will keep us from things that harm us if we'll listen. And I tell you, the Holy Spirit will also lead us to people and circumstances that we need. Sometimes the reason that we are uh, so overwhelmed by temptation and struggles in this life is because we're trying to live by ourselves. So I don't need God. I don't need the Holy Spirit. I don't need church. I don't need friends. I can do it myself. Well, here's the reality check for all of us. You can't do it by yourself. This is what Jesus said in John 15. This is the Aaron's version. You can't do diddly squat on your own. Jesus said, you can't accomplish anything of heavenly value by yourself. And the only way that you can have victory is to, with God's help, being led by the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit will guide us away from things and places that we don't need to be. But it will also lead us to places where we need to be. And it will lead us to people that we need to surround ourselves with. And I tell you that there's an old adage that's very true. One rotten apple spoils the bunch. And when you hang around a bunch of rotten apples, you're eventually going to become rotten yourself. Say, not me. I've got Teflon coating. When I tell you, no matter how thick you think that Teflon coating is, eventually it wears off. And you will become rotten. 
Bad company will corrupt you 100% of the time eventually. Satan is out in this world to destroy you. He wants nothing more than to destroy you and to destroy your family. And the truth of the matter is he doesn't have to work very hard most of the time to do it. Because we help him. Why? Because we're led by this world and not led by the Spirit. The Scriptures tell us to test the spirits. In other words, just because you might hear something, you know, it may not be the Holy Spirit. It might be a different kind of spirit. How do you know it? Well, if it's going to lead you into something bad or it goes contrary to God's Word, it's not of God. And it's not the Holy Spirit telling you that. And so we have to be led by the Holy Spirit. And I tell you that the more you are led by the Spirit, the easier it becomes. That doesn't mean that we never struggle with sin, because the reality is this side of heaven, every one of us struggle with sin every day. And it is only by the grace and mercy of God that we can have victory. But here's the thing. God says, listen, if you'll be led by my Spirit, you will have victory. You can be free and you can be victorious if you want to be. And so we must be led by the Holy Spirit. And being led is not just that God speaks to us, but that we obey Him. That we follow what He directs our path to be. Secondly, Not only must we be led by the Holy Spirit, but we must be fed by the Holy Word. If you look and you read Matthew chapter 4 and you read Luke chapter 4, which I challenge you to do this afternoon, uh, read those first 10 or 12 verses of those chapters where it talks about Jesus' temptation that Mark boils down into two verses. And by doing that, when you read that, you're going to find this, that Satan comes to Jesus... And he tempts him. He, he tempts him with power. He tempts him with, with stuff, with food. And he tempts him with worship. And every single time, Jesus uses the same power tool to fight him. And it's not a hammer. It's not even a jackhammer. It's not a screwdriver. It's not an electric drill. You know what the tool that God uses, that Jesus uses to overcome temptation? It's God's Word. To the first temptation, he says in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, it says, But he answered, speaking of Jesus, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. He says, Listen, if you jump off this jump down. God's going to save you. You're not going to hit the... And to that, Jesus answers in Matthew 4, 7. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And then in uh, verse 10, the last temptation that Satan brings 
Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. All of these were scripture quotations from the Old Testament. Jesus knew God's word because it was his word. Now, he could have used a lot of things because he was God himself. He was God made man. But the tool that he used was his word. And perhaps it was intentional because Jesus knew we didn't have his power. But he also knew we had access to his word. And we could apply it. All of of us can have a copy of God's Word. It's published lots and lots, at least here in America. There's lots and lots of English versions. You can buy it at Walmart. Um, You can buy it, you know, just about any place. Uh, You can find it online uh, for free. Um, Several different English translations. And so we have no excuse... But today we are living in the most biblically illiterate culture that's ever lived. Because access to God's word is not the issue. The issue is being fed by it. Yesterday, we had a gallon of milk in the refrigerator. And we drink some milk, but we don't drink quite enough of it to buy a gallon. And so, most of the time, the expiration date of that milk comes before we get to the bottom of the jug. Uh, This week, for whatever reason, or the last couple weeks, uh, because we bought it when we got back from our trip, uh, we hadn't drunk much out of that jug at all. It was in the refrigerator, had it, for two weeks. I got some yesterday, and I said, well, it's past the date, but maybe it's still good, because you know, it's good a day or two after the expiration date usually. So I took a little swallow of it. It wasn't good. <laughs> and so down the drain, it had to go. Well, how many of us treat God's Word like that gallon of milk? It was in the refrigerator less than I could have had it any time we wanted to. The refrigerator was doing a good job keeping it nice and cold. And yet it sat unused, and so it spoiled. Now, the good thing about God's Word is it never spoils. But if we don't use it, and if we don't study, and we don't feed on it, we're not going to be nourished by it, and we're not going to know it. So it's not just enough for us to come and hear great sermons, which I hope you do, Think, I, hope that's, I think that's part of the reason why you keep coming back, is maybe you're getting something out of a message, at least every once in a while. But listen, can I tell you that if you only ate one time, one Sunday morning was the only time you ate all week? You wouldn't be around very long, would you? You'd be in the hospital or dead, because you'd be malnourished. God knows and understands we need a regular daily diet of his word. And not just reading it, by the way, digging in and and memorizing it and meditating on it. Saying, God, what do you have for me to 
to take from this verse, because can I tell you, every verse of this Bible, from Genesis chapter 1 to Revelation 22, God has a word for you in those verses. Now, it doesn't mean that we get to make our own meaning or make Scripture say what we want it to say. But God does speak to us every time we come to His Word, and we ought to, as we come to God's Word, not just say, well, I've got to check my box off this today, and I've got to read my verse or chapter of the Bible so I can check it off and move on to something else. But rather, God wants us to say, God, speak to me today through these verses. And God wants us to ask him, God, what do you have to say to me through this verse? What do I need to change? What do I need to grab a hold of? What do I need to do with these verses? Because Jesus was fed by God's word, he, he gave this example for us to say, listen, this is how you can, one important tool in overcoming temptation and finding victory is being fed by the word of God. I tell you that, you know, we've got, including you know, our church, every church, I think every community has Christians that are malnourished. I think sometimes we get malnourished because we absent ourselves from church, and that certainly doesn't help us. But can I tell you that most likely before we start missing church, we start missing out on God's Word. And we stop reading it. And we stop praying. And when we stop praying, we stop reading God's word. It's not long before we stop coming to church. And when we start stop coming to church, and listen, coming to church, reading your Bible and praying, none of those things make you a Christian. But you do those things because you are. And you do those things because you are saved. And when you don't do those things, you will become malnourished. And you won't be effective in the kingdom of God. And you won't experience victory in your life. And so is it important to pray and read your Bible and come? It is! You make sure that one thing that you're doing, in fact, the scriptures say, start your day and end your day with his word and with prayer. Jesus made a regular practice of morning prayers and evening prayers. He made a regular practice of coming, going to temple. And can I tell you something? If Jesus needed to pray and he needed to go to church, you need to go a lot more. All of us do. Jesus did those things to set an example for us to say, hey, listen, this is how you live a life for me and in me. Is you're led by the Spirit, you're fed on His Word, and then lastly, we must be held by the Holy Father. We need to understand that our salvation is not based on us. It's based on Jesus. 
and what he did. And the only thing we can do as far as salvation goes is to accept it. We can't earn it. We can't make it ourselves. The only thing we can do is to accept the offer that God lovingly gives to us. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10.13, No temptation is overtaken you, but that which is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation He will also provide a way of escape that you might be able to endure it. Paul uses, and he's giving a nautical or shipping analogy here. Paul was a sailor. He knew a lot about sailing, so he talked a lot about it. He said, you know what? God is faithful that with every temptation that you face, God will make a way of escape that you might be able to bear it. In other words, not that you can get around it, but that you'll make it safely through to the other side. And the way to get safely to the other side is not to try your hardest. And it's not to say, well, I'll do better next time. And it's not to say, well, I can't do anything about it anyway, so I'm just going to go ahead and give in. Rather, the answer is to be with God. Understand that God is your refuge. The psalmist says in Psalm 46, God is our ever-present help in time of trouble. Oftentimes, God is our last resort rather than our first instinct. And when He's our last resort, we're in trouble. God had said about Jesus, the Father said, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. And then the next thing we read, he's being tempted. But you know what? God was still with him, and he still was pleased with him. And because he was being held by the Holy Father, Angels came and ministered to Jesus. And Mark is the only one of the gospel writers that mentions animals. I don't know what the animals are mentioned there for, but it was important enough to him that he mentioned the animals were there. Ministering to him during this time of of testing, of temptation. And as we read through the gospel of Mark, moving on, it's not the, the temptation in the wilderness is not the final chapter. The next few verses talk about Jesus going and uh, claiming or calling his disciples and healing people and bringing people back to life and preaching the message of repentance. And you know what? He does that and he does it and he does it and he does it. And then he gets to the end of the book. He 
to the end of the story. And he gives up the ghost after saying it is finished. You see, your battle and victory has already been won by Jesus Christ. But the thing is, you have to accept it. And by accepting it, that means you have to make Him the Lord of your life. It means that you have to be led by His Spirit. You have to learn to do things His way. You see, when Jesus Christ becomes the Lord of your life, that means you don't make the choices anymore. That means you're not the CEO of you. Jesus is now the CEO. And you have to let Him make the decisions for you. And He has to guide your path. But here's the thing. Giving up that control is the way to find freedom. Giving up that control is saying, Lord, you lead me and you direct me. You hold me. You keep my path straight. You keep me safe as I journey through this temptation so that I'll get to the other side. So it's not our strength. It's not our goodness. It's not our determination. But it's our obedience to God. It's our willingness to say, God, I want you to lead me. Where you lead, I will go. Last week, I think it was, we sang that, that hymn, um, you know, some through the water, some through the fire, some through the blood, you know, but all through the blood. God goes with us everywhere we go. As a children, he will help us overcome temptation and find victory in our life. But the victory will not be like that. It doesn't come instantaneously. And it doesn't come without a fight. But here's the thing, it's not our fight, it's God's fight. When it's our fight, most of the time we lose. Because remember what Jesus said, you can't do diddly squat. Include fighting your battles. But who can do diddly squat? Jesus can. Paul said in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That's true today in 2023 as it was when Jesus spoke those words almost 2,000 years ago. His recipe hasn't changed. And so friends, my challenge to us is will you find victory? But not only will you find victory for yourselves, but will you help others find it? Because here's something I can tell you. I know that you face battles and temptations. And I know that Jesus says he'll give you victory. Now 1 John 4, 4 says, Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. John also said in that same letter, He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. So would you know victory for yourself? But friend, I also guarantee there's people in your life, there's people in your family, there's people in your neighborhood. There's people in your workplace. They're being eaten up and chewed up by Satan. And they need you to come say, listen, you know what? I once was where you are. But I met this man named Jesus. 
And he's given me the victory. And he can give you the victory too. Because no matter what people try in this world to find victory, and everybody, for all, everybody's looking to win. We all are. Nobody wants to lose. But without Jesus, we are on a losing track. But here's the thing, with Jesus, we're guaranteed to win. So would you go with him? Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your word and for your spirit. How you lead us and guide us. God, we've talked this morning about finding victory in the face of temptation. Lord, there's so much evil in this world and all of us have times when we are really struggling to do what you want us to. And Lord, we hear from your word this morning that when we try to do it on our own, we're in trouble and we're going to lose. But we're also reminded this morning from your word we can have victory through Jesus Christ. And so Lord, our prayer is you'd help us to have the victory. Lord, those that are fighting battles, maybe they're spiritual battles, maybe they're battles with physical things and battles with jobs and relationships. God, draw us to you. Help us to cling to you and find strength in you. Help us to remember we can't do it on our own. We can't do it in isolation. We need you and we need our brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, as we find victory, help us to share that message of victory with those that we come in contact with that that are hurting and need you. God, let your light shine so brightly through us that this world is not the same again. And we'll be careful to give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Let's stand together. We're going to sing this hymn of invitation. And if God spoke in your heart and there's a decision you need to make today, today would be a great day. And this is a great place for you to come and make that decision. We're going to sing this uh, song, Search Me, O God.